This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to just talk a couple of weeks here on unwrapping the gifts of Christmas and 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 some things that God has God has deposited in our lives and and uh, that we are to unwrap those. And so this is kind of the first week in, in just a little mini series here in our Christmas season. Uh, we welcome all of our guests, those uh, watching by television, channel one eighty one. We pray God's blessing over you this Christmas season. Amen. Uh, a couple of scriptures here I have as my text. The first is 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 4 to 5. The Bible says, now there are distinctive, this is from the Amplified Bible, varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace, extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. But it is the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. And there are distinctive varieties of ministries and service, but it is the same Lord who is served. Uh, that's one of the texts. And one of the texts that we will focus on in these next few weeks is uh, kind of our Christmas theme here. Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 10 to 12. It says, but the angel said to the shepherds, somebody shout shepherds. I want you to underline that, highlight that. If you can, you know, use a highlighter on your iPad or phone, underline that because we're going to get back to them in a moment here. It says this, do not be afraid. I bring you joy. I bring you good news, excuse me, of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes will be lying in a manger. How many know the greatest gift at Christmas was the birth of Christ? Amen. That's it. Good to set that. And, and, and I want you just to, I'm just going to step back here a little bit here on salvation and important, that gift of salvation. There's this mindset that thinks that because Jesus came and he died on the cross and he purchased salvation, that everyone is saved. That's, that's a thinking that permeates. And, and how many know that salvation is free to all who will receive it? How many more know that it's more than just mental assent? How many know what I mean by that? Just acknowledging and saying, well, I don't totally understand, but he's up there and I believe, I believe. See, here's the thing. Let me just say this about salvation. Remember Nicodemus when he came to the religious, he was a Pharisee and he said he came to Jesus at night. Do you remember this story? It says in John chapter three, I believe it is. He comes to Jesus at night and he asks him, what does it really mean about this thing about salvation? And how, how do you be born again? How can a man go in a mom's womb again? And, and he says, you're a teacher in Israel and you don't understand this. And Jesus kind of really points it right back. You don't get this. He said, I don't understand. He talks about spiritually being born again. Here's the thing. Christ provided salvation to all who receive it, but you must receive it. You must invite him in your life. You must repent. And it's called conversion. Shout out to me. Say conversion. You need to be converted. That's why there are millions of church attenders that are not saved. That's why every service, I try to, and those who speak here, we try to have an opportunity where we just pray for salvation. Now, how many remember the days 20, 30 years ago? What will you do? 
Let me see your hand. Come on down. <laughs> Think the culture has changed, has it not? I mean, the last thing someone wants to do, especially if you're a visitor, is what? Be singled out, right? And the church would sing you out. I remember the times when the church, if you were a visitor, they would look for the visitor who are already on edge, scared, and they would go, we got a visitor here, and let's welcome the visitor. Stand up and bring a cherry nut bread cake. I really like the cherry nut bread cake, but it was so good. And we would give them, because we were trying to be hospitable, okay? We find out that leave the visitors alone in a sense, okay? Let's not make them nervous, okay? So anyhow, but, but, but I present the gospel at the end of each service. Why? Because there's so many people that at times they never get it just one time. Okay, they just, it doesn't click. There was a gentleman we had here, it's an older gentleman, a number of years ago, who was part of the church, and his wife came, and, and uh, uh, I, I knew him for, for many, many years, and kind of a, a tough, ornery guy, and he was in his 70s, but he contacted a disease. And he would come to the church, and, and not much response from this guy. That I mean, he just, it, it, it was just like, you know, is, it, is anything penetrating? You know, is anything, is he being reached? You know, the guy comes and he's the same. And, and I preached a bomb service. How, how many know what I mean? Like today's probably heading to a bomb service right now. A bomb service is where I feel it's not, it's dead. It's like I wasted my time. Nobody learned it. Come on, are you with me here? What am I doing? Just order pizza and just go have fun, watch a movie. Uh, and that was one of those services. And I went, you got to be kidding. This guy comes walking up, crying, shaking. He was sitting right over there. Everyone was dismissed. They left. And as he came, he was just shaking. He goes, Pastor Mike, all my life I asked, is the Christ child <laughs> real? And I, I said, yeah. And he goes, he told me today he was. The guy got saved without anybody, you know, years of church, you know, and he just didn't, didn't get it. And here's what I'm trying to say about this, why I know millions and millions of people attend church and are not born again and not converted, is that he started from that moment on having a hunger for the things of God. Oh, come on, that was the time to shout amen. Do you know what I mean by that? A hunger for the word of God, a hunger for worship, a hunger. It doesn't mean that like he just, you know, he, he flipped the switch and, and then he just became this radical, but he started and, and he started telling me, he said, I started reading The Purpose Driven Life. And I went, yes, I know that book, Rick Warren. And he said, and I read it every morning and I talk to him every day. Who is this guy? His sisters came just to see what happened to him. They were all older. They couldn't believe what happened to him. My brothers and sisters, when you are truly born again, change will happen in your life. If there's no change, watch this, ready? I'm going to just get out on a limb here. If there is no change in your life, you might not be saved. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. The greatest gift was the birth of Jesus Christ. It's the gift of, change, uh, of salvation. The new birth produces new desires and new behaviors. I'm going to say that again. The new, that does not mean you're perfect. That means you can stumble, you can fall, but you get back up, but you have this desire you want to. Do you hear me? It's the, God, I don't want to. You deliberately sin. You disobey. You know you feel bad. You're already beat up. You don't need anyone else to beat you up. But you repent. You draw near to God. You desire to change. You're born again. God's just working out your salvation. Amen. He's working out, you know, these issues of the flesh. Tell me with me. Say amen. But if you have indifference 
You have no desire for God's word, no desire for fellowship, no desire for, for hearing the preaching and teaching of the word, no desire to read the Bible, you know, nothing. You're not born again. I don't mean that mean or ugly. I'm just saying that's, that's because if you truly are, that seed of salvation will produce a desire. And, and, and I've talked to so many people that sometimes it's like peeling away the layers of an onion. You know, you keep peeling away and, and, and you know, get, it gets stronger and stronger, the smell. And, and that's just like the grace of God in your life. Which when you're truly saved, when you're truly saved, you just these desires of the things of the world just kind of fade off. And what you maybe devoted yourself to and you were so passionate about years ago, you don't even care about. It's just like, who did that? Who told you to be that way? Nobody. It's the grace of God working in your life because you're truly saved. How many with me say amen? So the greatest gift was the birth of Jesus Christ. I spent a lot of time on that, probably too much, but I think it was important. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift. Somebody shout a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. The question here this morning is, are you using your gift well to serve one another? Amen. God, God has given gifts to each and every one of us. Well, I don't know what my gift is. We have, we have boatloads of information to help you discover your gift. So you can do little, little surveys and things. You can help discover that and, and, and get you in the right direction. And uh, there's plenty of ways, if you want to, if you want to really discover your gift. Uh, God has given each of you, somebody shout each of you. I don't know what your gift is. Some of you I do. Some of you have I gotten to know. But every one of you has a gift. It's a gift because the scripture says each of you have a gift. And, it, and here's the thing. We're to use them well to serve one another, to serve one another. Romans 11.29 says this, and this is a very powerful verse, and I think hence the frustration with so many people, especially Christians, Especially Christians. How can you say this, Pastor Mike? For God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. I read that again, and it just smote me just this week. It's like, wow. The gift of God on your life can never be withdrawn. Did you get that? There's no sin. There's no way. God is not going to take it away. But you can squander that gift. Are you with me here? You can, you, can, you can suppress that. The gifts, the Bible says, the King James translation says, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Without repentance means that God won't change his mind about what he has called you to do. Now here, let me just preface this. Is not everyone is called to the five-fold ministry. When we talk about gifts, usually it's not just churchy. You can have a business that you, you present Christ in that and you sell, you know, whatever, widgets or whatever it is that God has blessed you with to do or, or you're in construction or, or, you know, maybe in transport or in the medical community, whatever it is, you could still be a witness and a light and use that gift God has given you to be a blessing. Can I get an amen? Amen? <clears throat> so God is not going to change his mind, but the frustration, I believe, that comes from uh, in dissatisfaction in life is, is, is because people ignore it. They ignore that gift. They squander it. They're not using it. And so when you, when you do not obey God in allowing that gift that he has given you, the, I, I think this, that's where a lot of people's frustration, a lot of their frustration comes. Uh, here's the thing. God has called us all for a specific purpose. I believe that. Now that's hard to imagine when you think of seven billion plus people and you think, 
every single one has a purpose. I mean, every, yeah, the guy that picks up the trash. How many know you're thankful for the guy that picks up the trash? Amen. You know, I used to kind of jokingly, we mocked the Dunkin' Donuts guy because out in New England, there's Dunkin' Donuts coffee shops on every corner. Okay. And I think they add, they lace the coffee with something that if you don't keep drinking it, you get a headache. I'm telling you. So when you start drinking Dunkin' Donuts, you start getting a headache, but it's great coffee. And I remember I would see the Dunkin' Donuts ad and the guy would get up and he's miserable at three in the morning and feel like I got to go make the donuts. I got to make the donuts. And that was his approach to life. My life is miserable because of my job, what I'm doing. I hate it. I hate my life. I hate my job. Come on now. <clears throat> and, and instead of looking at it as that God has given you a gift and you have income that you can work, thank God, that you have arms and legs, you can see, you can think, and you can do something. Can I get an amen? Amen. <clears throat> you know, and, and you are blessed with those abilities. And, and, you know, so the Dunkin' Donuts man, he was miserable. But you know what? I love those donuts. Woo! Bear claw. Come on now. That honeydew twist, woo, man. That Boston cream filled, oh, man. Anyhow, moving right along. There's no Dunkin' Donuts in Minnesota. Just, uh, well, there's some in the cities, I think. Getting off that. So the gift, the gift. Paul, let me just say this. Satisfaction, I believe, in life happens when you use your gifts, watch this, to serve others. Did you get that? I'm gonna say that again. Satisfaction in life happens not when you... <laughs> Let me just say it this way. Misery happens in your life when you exist just to please yourself, to just your fun. I hear this a lot with young people. I'm bored. I have no friends. Come on now. I'm, just, I'm bored. I'm so bored. The reason you're bored is it's all about you. It's all about you. <clears throat> it's about what you're going to do with your money. It's what you're going to do with, you know, this weekend, the fun you're going to have partying this weekend, and, and everything exists about feeding me, myself, and I. That's why you're miserable. Joy comes when you give. You give of your life and you serve. I just heard my daughter, and she was just talking about how she was in the <clears throat> San Diego Stadium, <clears throat> and they were helping, uh, serving, and, and, and putting stuff together. And she told, she told my wife, she goes, I feel so good inside. I feel so good inside. Why? Because you're serving others. You're helping others. So if, you, if you're bored, you're unhappy, I got a great remedy to you. Start serving. Start helping out. <clears throat> Amen? When the church gets hit, you know, we're hit with a snowstorm, come out and shovel. Amen? Hallelujah, just had a plug for that. I know the storms are coming. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Use your gifts to serve others. How does that matter? Does it really matter? It matters. I mean, no, God sees everything. And listen, if he sees a dove that dies in the, you know, the forest, and he knows how many hairs you have in your head and how many you lost this morning in the comb brush, right? <laughs> Amen. Do you think he sees everything you do? And I don't need to see. I don't need to. I, you know, it's nice if I see. Okay, great. You know, hey, I'm just very appreciative. But it's not about me. Amen? I'm not God. I'm sorry if I let you down, but I'm not. I'm just, I'm human. Amen. Maybe move on. Some of you kind of, what? <laughs> Second Timothy 1.6. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of hands. Somebody shout stir up. You know, one time I saw a preacher, it was actually Steve Cornamone, and he took some, some lemonade, and you know that frozen lemonade that you get, in, and you drop it in a two-quart, and you just let it sit there. If you just dropped it in a two-quart and let it sit there, and then you say, hey, would you like some lemonade and pour it out? It would be kind of, oh, no, man, that's what? It's water. It's watered down. You didn't, you haven't stirred it. So he began to stir it. He began to break it up. And then he goes, you want some lemonade? Yes. Why do we need to stir up the gift of God? 
That's a great question. It's used in the Greek metaphorically where the gift of God is regarded as a, watch this, a fire capable of dying out through neglect. I'm going to say that again. A fire <clears throat> capable of dying out through neglect. Neglect means to fail, to care for properly, to leave alone, to abandon, to desert. So the gifts of God in our life, if we are not intentional, will die out, will fail. They'll be kind of watered down if you neglect them. It's just the way it is. That's what the scripture says. So, so the Bible encourages us to stir up. It actually means to fan the flame, the embers, to resuscitate. Some of us need to be resuscitated. Do you know what I mean by that with the paddles? We just need to be resuscitated in our gift. Like, let's wake up. Wake up. We're in a spiritual battle here. I mean, amen. The reason is, is because we leak. We leak. We leak. Scripture talks about that. So, so I believe if we want to walk out God's plan for our life, it's time that, that we step in, especially 2019 coming. What I believe God has is giving me, giving me a word here for the church as we move forward. And, and I'm excited, uh, probably um, more excited than the last 18 years of this church. And I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm just going to tell you in January. Amen. So we're going to move right along here. So, but resuscitate that gift within you. And it's time that we, we, we do that and we step out. Amen. <clears throat> so unwrapping the gifts, unwrapping the gifts here very quickly. Um, uh, the first gift I want to talk to you about the gift of purpose, purpose, purpose. You know, the definition of purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. It means plan, it's desire, it's intention and aim. Something set up as an object or end to be attained. Intention, resolution, determination. God, when he created all of us, he gave us purpose. He put that in our DNA. And that, once again, we are most fulfilled when we operate in our purpose, the purpose that he's called for us. And, and, and this Christmas season, I believe God wants us to unwrap that. It's supposed to be coming to the new year. And so I'm going to do a little play on some of the modern things that are happening here in, some, uh, in our little box right here. So you wonder, what is in this box? Well, uh, I'm just going to show you what's in this box. You want to see what's in this box? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'd like to auction off what's in this box for the new church building. So maybe someday we could do an auction because some of you just really would like this. Well, this is one of my favorite characters. This is one of my favorite characters of Christmas season. How many remember Rudolph? Don't, oh man, don't you love, isn't he a cute Rudolph too? See, and, and then you can actually, let's see, how do we... So he, his nose works, and I, I just love Rudolph. You know, you know why I love Rudolph? Because there was something a matter with his nose, right? And as Italian, I grew up this nose, and I used to be called WAP. Oh, yeah. And so until I saw this Christmas, and I went, Rudolph gets it. I know his pain. I actually thought I would never get married because of my nose. Yeah. But then... This is true. My wife was actually looking for someone like that. I went, you liar. You're a liar. But she still says she loves my nose. Okay. So uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm being true, honest. I mean, it's like I was mocked. I was being in the Marine Corps. I had one guy, he kept bugging me. Here's another Christian friend. We lifted weights, we trained, and we did some training together. And he would go, ah, you know, Corporal Bart, you know, you, you know, ah. And I got so sick of it because he was real short. I said, you're a midget. He never talked about my nose again, okay? And that right there, so you be keep quiet. But we love Rudolph, don't we? Come on, <clears throat> Rudolph. You know, today he's getting a bad rap by the progressives. He's been marginalized, okay? He's been demoted. He's been sidelined, poor little Rudolph. You know, the current narrative now is about Rudolph. He's racist. This, the whole show's a racist. And the school coach comment, I mean, he's a bully, you know? We're not going to let Rudolph play in these reindeer games. <laughs> and, and, and then it goes on and talks about sexism between Mr. Donner and Mrs. Donner, Rudolph's parents, and Santa Claus abusive, and he's a bigot, and oh, dear God, friends. No holiday traditions are safe from attack. Anyway, we love Rudolph, amen? We love him. And he's the one, as it says, that he had the shiny nose. If you saw it, you would say it close. And it says, all the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. All right? All the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. You know, ever have people like that in your life? Come on now. You know, they, supposedly so-called friends, you know, in your life, they, they find that flaw in your life and they just pick at it. They just pick at that flaw in your life. And, but see, here's the thing. God, watch this, is in the business of transforming life's flaws to fulfill his purpose in your life. I'm going to say that again. God is in the business of utilizing those flaws, the thing you despise about yourself, he will use to transform uh, your life and, to, and, and give you purpose and, and, and your life will be fulfilled through it. And so do you remember how the song goes? The song says, one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? And then what does it say? Then all the reindeer loved him. Come on now, amen? Why? When he discovered his purpose, people loved him. Come on now, are you with me? Are you with me? See, they didn't love him before with his stupid, shiny nose. But when they discovered his purpose, when, when Rudolph's purpose was unwrapped, they shouted out with glee. Yeah, isn't it like the world, huh? In other words, that stupid look at nose can save us all. Amen? Wow. You know, uh, I, I kind of just spiritualize this right now to bring it back to some spiritual point here. And I do have a spiritual point to get to in a moment. You know, those flaws in our life, those things that we perceive are weaknesses, shortcoming, disabilities, feebleness. Uh, God, only God can turn them around and use them for his good. Can you say amen? <clears throat> only God can do this. <clears throat> Let me biblically back this up. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. He said, where are you going, pastor? Don't be afraid. Talk about the shepherds, the angels speaking. I have good news for you, a message that will fill everyone with joy. Now, I told you underlying shepherds. I'm going to get back to that here. Shepherds. I think of shepherds. Why did the announcement come to them at first? I mean, why did not the announcement come to priests or kings? Have you thought about that? I mean, who were they that they should be eyewitnesses of God's glory and receive history's greatest birth announcement? Would you agree? The greatest birth announcement. If you're going to make an announcement, something that's really important, you want everything in order, you want to look good, you want to dress good, you want to make sure everything's clear, you want to, everything's organized, right? Are you with me? I mean, if the birth of Christ was the most important news ever, I mean, wouldn't you get the most gifted and qualified people to communicate that? 
right? I love how the scripture says in Proverbs 25, 19, it says, putting confidence in an unreliable person is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a broken foot. How many know it's not fun? And, but here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to know about shepherds in this point of history. It wasn't like this all the time. In Genesis, it wasn't like this. But at this time in history, they are in the all the other reindeer used to laugh and call the names category. I mean, today we love shepherds, and, but not in that day. In Christ's day, watch this, shepherds stood at the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They were despised. Shepherds were not revered. They shared the same undesirable status as tax collectors and even dung sweepers. I don't have to elaborate on that. And only Luke mentions them. Their testimony, excuse me, their testimony was not admissible in court. They weren't trusted. You wouldn't want your daughter to marry one or your son to become one. Shepherds. In other words, all the people used to laugh and call them names. But here's the thing. It was to the shepherds. Somebody shout shepherds. That were working the night shift. Okay? <clears throat> the night shift that the angel shares the greatest message to mankind. A message that offers joy from the Savior has been born. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> what does that tell me? What does it tell me? What that says to me is this. What the world despised, God utilized to fulfill his purpose and to fulfill their purpose. Can you say amen? So too today, God is still doing that. He is doing that. You know, a lot of times we don't know why events happen and things in our life, why we follow path A instead of follow path B, and why we chose to do this and not to chose to do that, and why we zigged and why we zagged and you know, that's why purpose is a gift from God. That's why God has given the gift of purpose. He made us. Amen. He's placed us in this world. He knows what our future holds. Amen. And he knows what our lives are becoming. He has given us purpose. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. He says, we look at the sun. We see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the Son and see God's original purpose in everything created. Somebody shall purpose. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angel, it goes on to say, everything got started in him, and watch this, it finds its purpose in Christ. If you truly want to find purpose in life, you find your purpose in Christ in the kingdom of God, in the things of God. Amen? How many know your life is not an accident? The truth of the matter is, is you were, you know, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, you were really the one in a million or one in a billion. Isn't that right? It's a lot of billions that didn't make it, but you made it. Amen? Do I need to get into biology here? You understand what I'm saying? Amen? You made it. You're the one. You're here. God had a purpose for you. All right, you were that little tadpole that kept heading to that egg, amen? Everyone else died, but you made it. Amen, I better move on here, getting too deep for some of you. What does it tell me? Christmas reminds us there's purpose in life. There's purpose in life, that God is the giver of purpose. And once again, you know, it's, hard to, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe at times, but, but God has a purpose for everyone. Here's the thing I'm finding which is beautiful. And I want to encourage you as we conclude here in a moment, but to open your hearts up that God will bring people in your life, certain people that help you like shepherds, and sometimes they may be undesirable. Amen? You might be the undesirable for someone else. 
Sometimes they may be undesirable, but God will bring them into your life to help you or you to help them discover their purpose. You know, that's what I love about church. Uh, you know, when you have different people singing, you have different people playing instruments and worshiping. You see different people serving and door greeting. Why? People are stepping in. They're serving. They're doing their, they're, they're discovering their purpose. You know, maybe one area is, hey, I don't fit in that. And, and you have a strength in this area. Amen. How many we need everybody to step into their purpose for the church to move forward? Amen. So God will send the right people in your life. You know, I remember when we lived in Texas, I've shared this story before. Um, we lived at uh, Rhonda's aunt's house for, for, for 30 days, and I was praying each day, like, Lord, open up, you know, a job. And, and I knew dry cleaning in that industry, and, and I really was praying. It's like, you know, an opportunity where my wife and I could we work together. And so I started, you know, putting applications in and meeting, and I got a job right away in dry cleaning. Um, it's not high on the list of employment if you want to have a life calling in dry cleaning. I just want to let you know. But anyhow, it, it was good. It was bread and butter for us, and we could survive. And, and uh, I worked for this guy, and he was a Muslim man. He was very, very successful. He had a number of businesses and very devout Muslim. His wife was extremely devout, very devout woman. Her name was Ziba. And uh, at one time, she had six or seven Baskin-Robbins that she ran in Canada. And they were only from contractual let you run two maximum. And, and she had seven of them. She was that type of woman. She got 4, 4 a.m. in the morning. She went to the mosque and prayed. And so here I am brought now working for this man, my wife and I, into this whole circle of Muslims. Oh, yeah. And he would take us out to some of the fanciest steakhouses, you know, the chopping. And he would sit with all his friends and say, tell me about your life. And I share Jesus with all these people. And I remember him just talking, saying, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to say this, but this is God honest truth. He said, I, I've never met anyone like you. Mike, in, in your story, I just, I never met. And so, I mean, I had to not just talk, I had to tell the line. I had to be a hard worker and, you know, work six days a week. I mean, it was, you know, and then he wanted to work on Sundays. I said, no, you know, that's my day of rest. So, so, and, and so God used that. He used that in my life to bless them. And as we moved to, from Dallas to up here, um, I remember my last time meeting with them and with Ziba, we, I purchased, I purchased a Bible. And you know, you, you would you have no, you would never be able to go walk up to this couple and go, hey, you need, you know, tell them you could share the gospel. But we had such an in with them. I gave them. She cherished that Bible. She said, I'll read it. And we left. And I don't know what the fruit of that is, but God will do that in your life. He will bring people in life to help you along your way, and He will use you to help people along the way. I want you to think about that there this this Christmas season. Amen, amen. And sometimes they show up as lowly shepherds. Or, you know, you may be the lowly shepherd, but there's a message that they carry. There's a message of purpose that God wants us to step into. Amen? So let me just, in conclusion here, tell you a story. It's a true story about Owen and his three-legged dog. And there's a little boy, his name's Owen, he lives in the UK. And he actually looks much older than his age because he has this rare muscle condition which causes his muscles to always be in a state of tension. And so he's, he always looks ripped, and he actually looks aged with this, this, this rare disease that he had. Well, at six years old, in his wheelchair, he, he just he didn't want to go outside. He was embarrassed. He was ashamed. He was ashamed of people. He was ashamed of his condition. He was depressed. And his mother was just really distraught on what are we to do with him. And Owen, just he just became a recluse. Well, one day... She was searching on Facebook, and she saw this dog that was up for adoption. 
And this dog actually happened to be chained to a railroad track, and it was abused. Uh, they didn't feed it, and it was kind of sickly. <clears throat> and one of his rear legs from the train was cut off in most of his tail because of it being trained to the uh, railroad track. Well, she relates actually in the video, if you watch a video on this, that when she walked in to the pound and she looked at this dog, she actually relates that it was like a spiritual moment when this dog looked at her and the dog was like communicating, I am supposed to go with you because I have a purpose in your house. This is a dog, okay? That's what she said. That's not my words. That's what she said. Something like that. So the, she brings this dog home. This is all true. This is a true story. You can, you can Google it. To see Owen. And immediately, this dog hobbles up and puts his head on Owen's lap and wags its little stubby tail for the first time since the accident. <clears throat> Amazing. <clears throat> this is a little Owen in Hachi. And... So then on Owen, what does he do? He goes outside. His whole life changed. This little boy's life changed. And he starts going outside. He starts meeting people, introduce him to Hatchie because, see, Hatchie only has three legs and tails chopped off. And so for some reason now, he just feels his confidence that he needs to show the whole world his dog. How many of that dog did more for him, okay? <clears throat> and so one day, Owen wanted to enter him in a prestigious dog show in the UK. He wins first place. <laughs> then he goes into another dog show and he wins first place for Friends for Life, then first place for Rescue Dog, on and on and on. And he becomes an internet sensation, millions of hit on YouTube in just a few weeks. Stay with me if you would, please. I'm going to conclude. What's your point in all this, Pastor Mike? If God can bring a dog into a little boy's life to cheer him up, how much more will God bring people into your life to help you along the way, to help you find your purpose? He used the dog that just transformed this young man's life. Beautiful story, true story about how God and purpose. I'd like you to just bow your heads as we conclude here this morning. I really believe God has lined up the right people to get you where you're supposed to be so you can step into your purpose. Here's the thing, you need to be willing. I'm going to say that again, you need to be willing. You need to be willing. Why is that? Because what you're unwilling to walk away from is where you get stuck. What you're unwilling to walk away from is where you get stuck. God I believe, wants to bring people and wants to use you, especially this holiday season, to bless someone, speak life, to, to, to maybe be the shepherd, the voice, to help somebody discover their purpose. You know, we are hugely blessed in this nation. We are so blessed. We have so much. There's so much need that is out there. I recognize that this community is a very blessed community and it's going to be hard-pressed to find a homeless man sleeping under a bridge here in Minnesota. But nonetheless, there are people in, 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 in circumstances and situations that, that they, they, they need the voice of the shepherd. Don't despise the voice of the shepherd. Amen. What the world despised, God can utilize to fulfill his purpose and fulfill your purpose. Amen. You're here this morning as a pastor mine, as you were talking earlier about salvation. I just don't have that desire. I just, there, there's really, I remember maybe one time I walked down or I prayed a prayer, but nothing has really changed in my life. And there's just not this hunger that you talked about that if you truly are born again, that there's change in my life and my desires. That's you. I'm speaking to you here this morning of those maybe listening by television. 
Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today you can change that. You can step into your purpose if you're willing and obedient. Don't get stuck. Take that step of faith. It took this elderly gentleman years to hear the message, but one day it clicked. He surrendered his life. Christ became real. The Bible says that when Nicodemus was talking to the Lord, Jesus said that the Spirit comes and it goes and it blows, and we don't know which way it goes. And You just don't know in this moment of time what God will do, the miracle he will do if you cry out to him, if you surrender your life. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray corporately with us. You're not joined in this church, but you would be joining the family of God. If you would like to make Christ Lord of your life, let's pray together. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you meant that, God meant that, and you're born again. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320 759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.